We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And we are here talking about week three, winners and losers. Winners and losers. They come in all shapes and sizes. Every walk of life. There's got to be a winner. There's got to be a loser. You had an interesting winner slash loser Friday night. Yeah, we had a uh, get-together over here at the house. <laughs> Myself, my lady, you, Larissa, Iman, Bridget, and my mom and dad. I smoked... A real, a real who's who. You yeah. Know? Real who's who, a real ritzy affair. I smoked three chickens with three different rubs. One of them I used Iman's. Iman, the creator of Q42 yep. Barbecue. And when he got here, he had to identify his rub by look. <laughs> and he picked the wrong one. He picked Jack Stack. Boo! But then, Boo. by taste, I think Bridget convinced him to choose chicken number three, which had 242 on it. So does that make her the winner then and him the loser? It might. That's how I'm leaning. They were like... We pulled all. The, I pulled all the chicken out of the smoker, and they were like really into it. When I said oh, I used Q forty two, you got to tell me which one it is by look and then by taste. Like he really, I thought I was like, oh, nobody's ever done this before. Apparently, Blake Bill's Helmet Bar did it with his sauce, and he um, Iman got it like correctly immediately. Well, of course, it's a sauce. Dry rub is way harder. I wouldn't. Also, I wouldn't know. 
Did, well, okay, but so let me put this in terms, just so that you understand why Iman's so militant about this. Not militant. That's not the right word. When you challenge someone like that, that would be like if I said, hey, here's two pieces of audio. One of them was produced by you. One of them was produced by you. By No, because that would be a dead giveaway. <laughs> One of them was produced by Pat Moran. And uh-huh. you have to figure out whose is whose. You would take that challenge personally, wouldn't you? Yeah. Exactly. Because it's something that you create and something that you think you're very good at creating. Something I think you're very good at creating. Something that everyone who's listening to this right now, I mean, this would be unlistenable garbage if you weren't sitting in that chair. Mm -hmm. So your resume already speaks for itself. But with that in mind, what you did was you called the guy to the carpet. And I'm impressed. I really am. I am interested to see that Bridget was the winner here, not Iman. I mean, but let's... Give credit where credit was due. Chicken was good. The chicken was good, <laughs> and I like that I didn't have to do anything. I just yeah, showed up. Me. He cooked it. Iman sliced it. I just sat down and ate. It was really nice. It was kind of refreshing. Yeah, I mean, apparently with Master Built, that's all you do is you season it, put it in, stick the probe in, and then when it says it's reached its <laughs> temperature, you take it out, and then it's edible. Welcome! barbecue that's literally two-thirds of the the entire thing you can get fancier if you want to but that's it it's all it is <laughs> i love it you did a phenomenal job iman who knew that the winner and loser between him and his wife the win goes to bridget on this one iman you, t- you take the l i feel bad i raise my glass of dalmore to you Chris, yep. what are you drink? Oh, that's right. I'm to work. Ah. I'm having. I have horrific back pain. That's why I'm drinking. Oh, really? Welcome yeah. to the club. Remember that time I couldn't walk for five days? It was really funny. Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. You looked, you looked like that guy when the giant cockroach alien from Men in Black crawls inside of that farmer and starts walking around. That's what you looked like. Yeah. You couldn't turn your head. You had to rotate your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, I was messed up. Uh, so we're here tonight talking about winners and losers. If we had to talk about winners in the NFL sense, you know, let's just league wide. It was a down week for the league. All the Deshaun Watson stuff, the... Just the league looks bad, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest. That photo that got tweeted out of Bill Cosby as Deshaun Watson. Oh, Jesus. Hilarious. I didn't even see that, but that that does make me laugh. It's hilarious. It's it's in poor taste, and yet, I mean, funny. It's as right funny. up our alley. Yes. Lowbrow humor. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get a cheap laugh here. <laughs> we're, we're a pretty easy audience for a cheap laugh. Not a whole lot of winners, but I found one. Uh, overly ju- overly judicious, overly officious referees. They won this week. Do you love the color yellow? Do you like games that take an extra 20 minutes to finish? Do you long to see your favorite quarterback sitting on the sideline for 10 minutes of clock at a time because the defense can't get off the field because of untimely ticky-tack penalties? 
Well, then you, sir, are a winner today. Right up there with Carl Sheffers, Land Clark, and Sean Hockley, who I'm still not convinced isn't just his father reincarnated into a younger body, like some kind of like Caucasian get-out scenario. Like, that's it. That's, that's what I see this as. The league announced this week that it's pressing its officials for an emphasis on calling the illegal contact penalty. Illegal contact, which is, by definition, contact where a, a defender touches a wide receiver or tight end or running back off the line of scrimmage more than five yards downfield while the quarterback is still in the pocket. Let me run that mouthful of gibberish back to you again, just so you... This hilarious list of qualifiers. The contact has to be after five yards from the line of scrimmage. The contact has to be initiated by the defensive back or linebacker, not the wide receiver or tight end. So you have to know where they are. You have to know who actually initiated the contact. And oh, by the way, you still have to know whether or not the quarterback is in the pocket while you're watching this. Then, and only then, are you supposed to throw a flag. The rule, it's so convoluted that it almost shouldn't exist because in order to call it correctly, you need at least three sets of eyes on the play. And at least two sets of eyes on those two players at the same time. And yet, like, so so there's way too much going on in an NFL football field to get illegal contact right most of the time, wouldn't you think? Just based on the definition I read to you? Yeah. Okay. They're asking officials to call more of them because apparently in 2021, referees only called 37% of the penalties for it that they did in 2020. I think they called 97 illegal contact penalties in 2020 and only 36 of them or 30 something of them in 2021. And you know what the league said? I need more of that. You know that shitty thing nobody likes? I want it back. In fact, I need more of it. It's like the fucking cowbell sketch. You know, I got to have more. I just got to have it. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more illegal contact. (laughs) Got to have more illegal contact penalties, boys. Got to have it. The refs did the thing that we as football fans want and let the players play. The league responds by forcing them to double down. Guaranteeing for those three boobs and the refs who work on their crews, who all of them, All three of those refs, Chris, managed to call more than 2,000 yards worth of penalties. The mid, like, there were 17 crews, I think, last year, if I counted them correctly. And of them, like, the median number was 1,500. You called 500, 600 yards more than, like, the middle ground? Doesn't that seem wrong? Like, it almost seems like there's something wrong with that specific crew, right? That sounds about right. But there's nothing to see here. Obviously, there's no fucking problem. So it's only going to get worse. The game that, like, last year, games felt like they took an appropriate amount of time. Nothing got dragged out. It's just... Now it's going to get worse. And these three assholes are going to be all over it. They're going to love every second of this. It's going to ruin football for everyone. Specifically, everyone who has to watch football with me this season. Because I don't take these things kindly, do I? No. And here's a here's the kicker for me. 
Oh, we want more illegal contact penalties. But you can bet your ass, can't you, that when the Buffalo Bills are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 4 p.m. slot on national TV, they're absolutely going to let them get away with all that clutching and grabbing and holding again, aren't they? Yeah. So what the fuck is the point? (laughs) Don't they take preseason games and kind of call it a lot more heavier than normal? So they can uh, be ready to enforce new rules once the season begins, or yeah, yeah they adjusted do. rules. They do, like the time that Ed Hockley called almost 200 yards of total penalties against us and the Washington Football Team in a preseason game. So, drink up, Bills fans, because this preseason is going to be a shit show. Doesn't that make us losers? Makes you a loser. <laughs> I mean, well, if the shoe fits. You know who else should feel like a big loser this week? Anybody who ran out early on in the season as a Rams fan or just as a football fan to bet the Rams to win week one. Why, betting lines change? The betting lines have moved. The Buffalo Bills, okay, are now a two and a half point road favorite in that game. And don't get me wrong, this is easily the biggest game the Bills have opened a season with that I can remember. I think most people would agree with that, correct? Yeah. Okay. It's marquee opponent, top of the league, former Super Bowl champion. They're going to drop a banner during the game. There's going to be a lot of people, a lot of eyes. I mean, it's, it's the return to football. Anybody, Thursday Night Football doesn't draw the best numbers, does it? No, only opening... But that opening game, opening game is its catharsis for every football fan who just endeared months of baseball. Months of having to watch the Cubs and the Red Sox. I mean, Chris, that abomination of a, foot, of a baseball game you and I watched here that one night. You turned it on and I got to watch a player concuss his own player. Like a shortstop and a second baseman who just collided with each other. Um... I got to watch a guy, what was it, inside the park home run the other night off the Red Sox. The outfielder literally runs in waving his arms to call it. I got it. And the ball drops 20 feet behind him. You're a fucking professional. This is what you got. This is what you guys do with your summer. You watch that? Yeah, what are you watching? CFL? I would rather watch, I would rather watch CFL. I would rather watch high school football. I would rather watch peewee practices than watch that. It's a bunch of nonsense. There's like, everyone's like, oh, you're watching the wrong teams. If I have to search for good teams to make your sport watchable, your sport sucks. When you get out of here tonight, watch the Padres. Why, are they good all of a sudden? They got them. Once they get Fernando Tatis Jr. back in that lineup, they're going to be hell at the top of the lineup with Soto, Machado. And Tatis Jr. <laughs> they sound like a mariachi band. <laughs> they could be. Soto and the Screamers? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Okay. Okay. And, and for anybody who's like, that's racist. Listen, I'm half Puerto Rican. I'm not trying to be racist. I just think that that's funny that the guys at the very top of your lineup, 
I think that means you're allowed to say it. No, you're I don't half think Puerto Rican. I don't think that's how that works. I don't believe in that. Right. <laughs> Here's what I'll say: Baseball stinks. It just stinks. So that very first game of every season is going to get every single football fan's eyeballs on it. And Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are going to be playing in that game against the Rams, who you'd think would have more juice coming into this one, considering they won the Super Bowl. The problem is nobody knows what the hell's going on with Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford has one of these. It's I'm looking at it here on my phone. I was looking at it, and I was researching it last night while I was laying on the couch. It's one of these. Uh, do you remember when Josh Allen hurt his elbow? Yeah. 2018. Yeah. And there was talk about how like they he was were, out for like a month and they were consulting with doctors. They said, hey, we're talking to like baseball injury specialists, which gave a lot of Bills fans chills like to fears that they were talking about like a Tommy John type injury. Luckily, Josh Allen came back from that and the rest is history. But it seems Matt Stafford's not so lucky. He had a bunch of procedures done over the offseason, platelet injections and all kinds of other stuff. And he had to wear a brace, and it's apparently a form of tendonitis that they said, football players, this thing doesn't even occur to football players most of the time. It's a baseball-type injury, which probably means it's related to his mechanics and the way that he throws the football, which at this point, he's 30, he's in his mid-30s now. Yeah, he's got to be like 34, 35. 33, 33, somewhere in there. His mechanics aren't going to all of a sudden change, which means if what he's doing with the football is giving him tendonitis, they've got a big problem, a big one, because it's not only does it need to be managed, but it's not going anywhere. While they manage it with all these different procedures and scenarios, Stafford has done no teamwork, 11 on 11 work whatsoever in training camp yet. And now the preseason's looming, which means his opportunities to get non-contact interaction with game speed football are dwindling at a, an incredible rate. I've heard optimists on this subject, Rams fans mostly, who will tell you Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert's never played in the preseason and he's done pretty damn good. He's broken rookie records. That's fine, but he was at least around for these like other, like, training camp activities to using that time to get on the same pages as receivers. Stafford's not. I'm looking at this. Allen Robinson is new to the Rams. He's never played with Matt Stafford before in his life. Van Jefferson was a solid player last year. I think he had 800 yards and six six touchdowns, but he's still a young player and he's growing. They're down to one tight end option on the roster that has more than five NFL receptions. If they don't have Matt Stafford, not only operating at 100%, but also with no familiarity with those wide receivers, it puts them at a massive disadvantage going up against a team like Buffalo, whose front seven is stacked, and whose defensive backs, regardless of who you throw out there, have been, going all the way back to 2017, one of the NFL's best units. I just, when you see the Bills minus two and a half on the road, doesn't it make you almost want to, do you want to take that game? I don't even look at the betting lines until like the day of. But right now, if you could get them at minus minus two and a half, I don't know. If they're going to win that game, you have to assume they're going to do it by more than that. Yeah, I don't know. Two and, and, a and, half, and two and a half. You might have to take the Rams. And God forbid that Matt Stafford can't go. John Wolford. 
that you and him share one thing in common: your terrible taste in hair. Okay, you guys. He rocked that stupid mohawk during that uh, like winning in game against the Arizona Cardinals. All right. the, do you remember the backup bowl there? I like his style. No, Kyler I don't. Murray was out. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, the old quarterback, Lions quarterback now. They Jared tra- Goff. Jared Goff was injured, so it was backup v backup to see who made the playoffs. It was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And all I remember from it was his stupid mohawk. It was blonde too, just like that when you used to color yours. You're a loser forever wearing that. He's a loser for being on this football team and potentially the quarterback who might have to start the season against the Buffalo Bills week one. And all of the Rams fan base and anybody who already bet the Rams back when the line was closer, you took that one on the chin. Another big loser from around the NFL, the New York Giants. Let's talk about this. Joe Judge is a boob. Nobody's denying that. That guy stinks. He and Matt Patricia are reunited back in New England, where I think I think the one common thread between Belichick and all of his disciples is that wherever they go, they just piss off their players. The only difference is all of his progeny are just bad coaches. Like it's one thing They're bad when, head coaches. It's one thing to annoy your players when you're the head coach. Maybe the best to ever do it. It's another thing when you're the only thing you're really known for is having a stupid pencil behind your ear on a plastic play sheet that you can't even write on with it. That's it. That's the only thing that anyone knows you for. Matt Patricia, what what's one of his accolades? What's one of his career accomplishments, Chris? Uh I don't know. <laughs> might have the best hair on the Patriots staff. He had a beard, that's about it. Fat dude beard. Plastic sheet. In firing Joe Judge from the Giants, and Joe Judge was just as bad. He was just some dough-faced. I mean, I couldn't pick him out of a crowd. And he was the guy who ran the ball on, like, third and long from their own five-yard line. Third and nine, like, from their own nine. (laughs) Yeah, third and nine from their, like, own nine or ten. (sighs) Hey, let's run a quarterback sneak. (laughs) <laughs> how you know you lost the room we got him now we got him right where we want him with this play call so by firing him things were supposed to get better there was hope brian table right he's gonna he's gonna come riding in and bring his offensive acumen to this franchise his staff is gonna stabilize the team's play and grow their young talent and overall their franchise is finally gonna have a professional feel to it let's take an inventory on how that looks today um Former first-round pick Kadarius Tony, who was being compared to as the human joystick 2.0 before the draft. That's why he was a first-round pick. Is still dropping uncontested balls in just, like, jugs machine drills. This isn't even defenderless. There's no defenders. He's just running routes for his air and dropping the football. <laughs> Daniel Jones has been atrocious. Uh, just yesterday, he went 5 for 19 with two interceptions and a few would-be sacks just because he held on to the ball for too long. The team is still being forced to run laps for non-compliance, which I find funny because when Joe Judge did it, everyone goes, oh, it's Bush League, boo, amateur hour. Well, now Brian Dable's doing it, and everyone's just quiet about it. Oh, and their new center, former Bills offensive guard John Feliciano. Yeah, he sucker punched a guy. 
So it sounds like it's all going really well over there, doesn't it? Yeah, and a brawl that was started by uh, Bobby Johnson. <laughs> by Bobby Johnson. <laughs> it's 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 like that scene in the show Community when Troy goes down to get the pizza and he comes back and the whole room's just on fire. I'm sure their owner was like, "All right, we did the thing. We hired people. Everything's gonna be fine." And he shows up to the building one day, and it's just a media shit show. I saw a wild statistic the other day, Chris. The New York Giants are the only team in the NFL who haven't held a winning record at any point over the last five seasons. Highly impressive. Going back to Rex Ryan's first season, and back to the summer where we started this ridiculous podcast... The Giants have, haven't been over 500 at any point during a season. Based on how the summer 2022 is going for them, I don't know that this is the year any of that changes. I just don't. You look like you've got something to say. Not really. Giants are trash. Everyone knows it. Let's move on. In the AFC East, we're going to talk about winners. I've got a big one for you. It's, I, I guess it's like Miami Dolphins fans who don't like the local media as Omar Kelly is leaving. Oh, I didn't see this. He left. Omar Kelly is leaving. I believe it was the Sun Sentinel after 10 years plus being a beat reporter for the Miami Dolphins. He's he's going to, I believe, host and produce uh, the I Am Athlete radio show on Sirius, I want to say. That's interesting. Why don't you hit this? Omar Kelly. Go ahead and go ahead and give it a goog. You uh, well, probably already put it on his Twitter, right? You're basically like Jamie here in the uh, Rock Paul Report studios. Uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and look that up for me, huh? Didn't he? Well, it's got to be on his Twitter, right? Fa- Dolphins fans have long hated this guy. If you Google, I bet you I can pull it up right now. When did he announce it? I think this was uh, probably about two or three days ago. Yeah. Why does everyone hate Omar Kelly? <laughs> this is in the Miami Dolphins subreddit. Just somebody posts this, mind if I do with Jay, posted two years ago for the Miami Dolphins subreddit. Just curious as I see a lot of people shit on him, but why? Every time I watch a video with him on it, he seems pretty reasonable. <laughs> and uh, they th- th- had thousands of comments on this from Dolphins fans who despise this guy. He has... He's he's moved on. So Miami Dolphins fans, you've won. This has like a very Jerry Sullivan-esque feel to me. Right? When someone who's cynical about your team that fans don't think is giving the team its due... During a period where the team has been really terrible, you want to cut, you like, you almost want to applaud. I know there was people here within the Bills fan base, us, we, we did a whole segment on it. When Jerry Sullivan was let go from the Buffalo News, a lot of people applauded it. They were like, wow, yeah, this is great. Looking back at it, Jerry Sullivan coincided with the worst two decades of football this franchise has ever seen. So, in that way, was he cynical? Or did the team just disappoint him so much that he had no choice but to say, okay, now I refuse to believe anything positive until you give me something positive. And the team just never did. 
Like you heard, we play the clip all the time, how cynical Jerry Sullivan was here in Buffalo about the hire of Sean McDermott. Because he goes, I've seen this movie before. I've, I know what they're doing. This is just, it's, it's uh, oh, much ado about nothing, and it won't matter in three years because he won't be here. Luckily for all of us, he was wrong. But at the same time, this is kind of, he was right. Okay, when he when he ragged on the Rex Ryan Buffalo Bills, I think we all in retrospect would look back and go, this organization was a clown show. When Greg Williams was here and talked tough and then laughed, when Doug Marone just bailed on us in the middle of the night, there's a lot to be cynical about there. The team gave us no gave nobody reasons to applaud them. We as fans want to because we love them. His job is to report facts, and the facts weren't kind. We didn't like it. It sounds a lot like Omar Kelly's been doing that over there for the Miami Dolphins, and similarly, they don't like him. So it's a boon to them that he's just not going to be around anymore. He's not here to be your punching bag. Except unlike Jerry Sullivan, instead of just, well, what? He started a podcast with Bucky Gleason, who quickly saw the writing on the wall and recused himself from that. He went to the, what's that Niagara Falls radio station? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Cause Doesn't. <coughs> probably can't even get picked up in Tonawanda. Well, no, I, I remember saying I'd never heard of it before, which made me feel like he would be better served just driving around Walmart parking lots with a bullhorn yelling his sports opinions at people. He'd get more traction. But <coughs> his radio show folded because he couldn't find any sponsors. And now I think he just works at Channel 4. I think he just works at Channel 4. I see him tweet occasionally about sports. Climbs out of his hole every now and again. Now, Omar Kelly, you were looking at it. He's going to be a part of this I Am Athlete. I couldn't see anything that can confirm it. I saw some reports think that he's going to work for the... Be a beat reporter for the Titans or go work at the Pittsburgh Gazette. But I didn't see anything that confirmed... The I am athlete thing. But he confirmed that he was leaving like six days ago, which I was nowhere near reading news because, you know, my parents had been here for the last five days. So I have no idea what's happening. (laughs) Well, so for Miami Dolphins fans everywhere who just, for one reason or another, hate Omar Kelly, cheers to you. You got what you wanted. I just hope the team is good enough that the next wave of journalists who covers you guys doesn't end up just as jaded as he was. For losers around the AFC East, it's got to be the New York Jets, isn't it? This Mackay Becton thing, dude. Still injured? Point, still injured. He ruptured like his kneecap. He's done. He's done for the season again. This really, time he didn't even confirmed? get to game one. The the actual Chris, give it a goog. Give it a goog while I vamp. Yeah, we don't want to give out misinformation. <laughs> What, like, uh, oh, Jesus. Well, what kind of misinformation have we spread over the years? I don't know. That's only been a new term. I'm just thinking, like, uh, the fact that you're you're an athlete. Yeah, um, out for the season with serious knee injury. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, like, it's funny to punch down on certain things, but at a certain point, it does get sad. This guy, Makai Becton, gigantic human being. Maybe maybe too big. Maybe that's the problem, is he's too big. I, fracture is the kneecap. Like, that's that's a gross injury. 
I don't know how you fix that. I don't even know what the rehab is from that. We'd have to get Dr. Kyle Trimble in here. But this team just cannot catch a break when it comes to injuries. We had Kyle in here earlier in the offseason talking about like every team, every AFC East team's injury situation. And we asked, what are the Jets doing differently? And he said, well, they're trying to draft players that are not injury prone and trying to bring in guys in free agency that aren't used to injuries. Okay, but what about the guys who are already here? Chris, they have 14 starts now in three seasons from a, where was he picked? Click that drop down. Oh, like this? He was in the first round, 11th overall. The 11th. 2020. So the 2020 11th overall pick has played just 14 games in a Jets uniform. That's bad. That's really bad. And I mean, if you take a look, our lads, Jets. How much of this could have been prevented if they the Jets had a competent training staff? Well, this is it. At a certain point, they have to start looking at themselves and going, guys, it's not the players. It's us. One of the things that I found really interesting was that uh, Eric Wood went on Bussin' with the Boys, and he was talking about how Sean McDermott's first year there, he brought in these uh, kinesiologists and these stretching experts who do most of their work in Europe, training soccer teams. European football, but like Champions League franchises, teaching their guys isometrics, uh, stretching, all these things that they could do in order to limber themselves up so that they'd be less prone to injury over the course of a season. The second that he did that, not only that, but replacing the entire training staff, but thinking outside the box, his team has rapidly become one of the healthiest in the NFL. The Jets have yet to pull the trigger on this, and I don't know why. It's clearly to their own detriment. And now you look at this and you say, okay, who do they have? Right now, their starting right tackle is Connor McDermott. We've heard of him. Yeah. Connor McDermott, Buffalo Bills cast off. That guy is penciled in as their starting right tackle. There's no way that they go into the season with that, right? They're going to have to go spend some money. What do they have in cap space? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I wouldn't even know. Let's take a look at the old salary cap table. They've got no money. What, three, with their top 51, they're estimated to have the same as the Bills, like $3.8 million in cap space. Who are they signing off the street that's worth a damn 
Like, this is just a crushing blow to the New York Jets and to kind of their hopes for the season. It pays a direct benefit to the Buffalo Bills, but it's just... Like, what did they do? This seems like poltergeist. Like, did they dig up an Indian burial ground? Did their owner, like, build a condo or (laughs) just, like, bulldoze an Indian burial ground or something like this? Because this feels like a curse, doesn't it? A well-deserved curse. Luckily, the Buffalo Bills have nothing like that. And that brings us to our favorite football team. And we take a look at the winners and losers in the, the red, white, and blue. For winners this week, one of the big ones, H-back Reggie Gilliam. Chris, I'm going to paint a scenario for you. You're at work. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay. I'm L- doing something at L- work. Listen to a podcast. Yep. And all of a sudden, you get paged. And you're like, what the fuck? And you're like, oh, you got to report to the office. So you go to you. So you walk into the office, and out of nowhere, your boss says, "How'd you like to sign this paper and get a raise for yourself? We just want to give you more money." Apropos of nothing, I'll take it. Yeah, of course you would. That's what happened to Reg, Reggie Gilliam this week. They, Reggie Gilliam was approached by Brandon Bean, or his agent was, and he just said, "Listen, we want to give your client a two-year contract extension. What do you think about that?" What, what is he going to say? No. If I was the player, wouldn't you almost demand a little bit of money back? Like his fee? <laughs> like, hey, wait a minute. You didn't even have to work for that. So in the aftermath, people were talking about like, oh, my God, why are we extending this guy? We've got this player, this player, this player. What does it mean for our offense? As I said on Twitter to some people, no offense, but offense isn't everything. When you look at Reggie Gilliam's contributions to this football team, last year he was, uh, short of Tyler Matakavich, he played the second most special team snaps on the team. And he's a four-phase special teams player, which means he plays everything. Punt coverage, kickoff. Uh, he plays in on the field goal attempts. He play, He's everywhere. So with that in mind, he still also has some utility in the offense. We've seen him catch passes out of the backfield. He's out there as a lead blocker, which I think is interesting because we've cycled through fullbacks, I think. But going back to the Rex Ryan era, when we got LaShawn McCoy, we brought in, uh, shit. Oh, what was his name? Colin, if you know, he's a former Pro Bowl fullback. Played for the Vikings. We brought him in, and it turns out he didn't really make an impact because LaShawn McCoy doesn't run like a guy who needs a blocker. He kind of creates on his own in space. So it ended up not making a difference, and he was kind of released. And then Patrick DeMarco was brought in after he, too, made a Pro Bowl for the Falcons. And everyone's like, okay, we finally have a receiving option, and he's this, and he's that, and he's such a good player. And again, he failed to make any... The most memorable thing Patrick DeMarco did, he's got two. One where he grabbed Josh Allen by the ass cheeks and drove him over a fourth and two for a first down. Jerome Felton. Jerome Felton. Shoved Josh Allen over a pile of Lions defenders for a critical fourth down conversion to end the game. And two, for when he was double covered in that playoff game against Houston and Josh Allen decided, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna huck. Th- I'm gonna huck this thing twenty yards downfield to a double covered fullback. Like that's lunacy. 
Fullbacks do not produce in this offense, or at least they haven't, when we've gone the traditional route of find somebody who's played fullback at a high level and sign them. Reggie Gilliam was what? He was being called a tight end at one point? Yeah. He flirted with a running back-ish role, like a blocking role, like a fullback. It's He's a weird player on offense, but he does bring some utility. He brings some options to you in terms of the formations you can trot out there and what you can do out of them. Especially if you're incorporating motion into your offensive sets. You can line up in a traditional eye formation, then motion him out to the wing or out to off the other tight end shoulder. Now you have a completely different look. He's clearly going out for a pass, and he has catching ability. The biggest thing that I take away from this is that if you look at the money, it's about the same as what Tyler Medikevich is making now, which tells me they're probably not going to try to retain him at the end of this season. You know, it's probably about a million dollars less. So this seems like them saying, look, we know we're not going to keep Medikevich around after this year. We're going to see if we can save a million dollars and bring in the young guy. Keep him. He knows what he's doing. He'll become our top dog. And we'll just continue to push other players into these premier special teams roles. I think it's smart housekeeping. And good for him because he seems to deserve it. Another guy who's a winner for the week is quarterback Christian Benford. Late round draft pick who I didn't really give a lot of attention to. Didn't give any credo to credence to when we talked about him during our draft recap. He's getting first-team snaps, and he doesn't look lost. It's weird to think that a sixth-round pick is going toe-to-toe with Stephon Diggs in practice and looking like an adequate player at the cornerback position. He's big, he's physical, he's raw, and he comes from a small school, so obviously there's a lot going against him. But the Bills have given him opportunities, and he's run with them. It's going to be interesting to watch him. If anything, he's a winner because he's getting more eyeballs, but also because it does improve and it improves his stock in terms of him making the roster at all. Whereas before, I think if he was kind of just quietly puttering along, he'd be viewed as a kind of a maybe a practice squad candidate, something along those lines. Now there's reason to believe that based on how Trey White starts the season, Christian Benford could be on the starting 53 which I think would be impressive for a, a player with, I don't know what you want to call it, with his uh, cachet, you know, six-round pick and whatnot. I wonder if he plays this. Remember what we talked about back at the beginning of our Camp Recap podcast? Brandon Bean talking about watching the cornerback group and how if he, if he felt that a move needed to be made to get a veteran, he would make one. The fact that we haven't already heard more about that and that it doesn't seem like there's anything cooking. Do you think that he's been waiting for this first preseason game rather than just seeing it in practice? Yeah, get a lot more out of a game than practice. So then in that way, this Saturday represents a huge opportunity for Christian Benford. If he plays very well, which it's hard to expect as a rookie, but he's big, he's physical, he's good at press, He's obviously been learning zone with Kyrie Lum, kind of in the same vein. If he shows well, it could be the thing Brandon Bean needs to say, listen, we don't need to go out and make this move right now. We'll wait. We'll sit on it. We'll wait for cutdown day and see if anybody wants to trade rather than try to, you know, or if there's guys yeah. who we know are going to get cut, we'll wait for them to get cut and then we'll sign them for veteran minimum. 
since we know that they're obviously conditioned because they just went through the preseason process. It's interesting, but his progress, he's a winner, and also we are just by default. And also fans who want to see OBJ in a Bills uniform, they're winners this week. What do you think about this back and forth between him and Von Miller this offseason? I don't think we need him. You don't think we need him? No. You almost say that like you don't want him. Also, I don't want him. Okay. And we don't need him. Why wouldn't you want OB? This is interesting. Why wouldn't you want OBJ in a Bills uniform in 2022? Because you're probably one of the first people I've ever heard just say it. Just out loud like that. I mean, if I look at my watch here, it says he's not ready. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. This is one of those things. He's not going to be ready until December. And that makes negotiating a contract for OBJ kind of difficult. Vested veterans, which he currently is, their contracts become fully guaranteed after week one. Like, as of week one, their contracts become guaranteed. So, like, uh, bonuses and everything else notwithstanding. But, so, the question I have is, I would love OBJ in a Bills uniform late in the season. Sure, as an ad, just to have him around. What are you paying? Bet minimum. That's the problem. Whatever He's not going to play for that. Someone else will give him that just on a lark. Some other playoff contender. Not only that, but you're going to have to make it worth his while, and he doesn't have any games left by the time he comes back to actually earn that money. If you sign... I mean, I asked Paul Wineski of Hashtag Sports this question, and he gave me an explanation that I... I want to see her. So he we throw were, a bunch of numbers at you well, using no. his calculator and his giant ears. So we were talking about this. Ryan Lacell says he's going to have to come cheap, and I don't know about you know people started talking about prove it deals. I was like, he doesn't have to prove it. He's Odell Beckham Jr. The fact that he's not going to be ready till December is a problem if you're trying to craft a contract for OBJ because he's not going to have any games. Players don't make much in the playoffs. They get paid bonuses for being in the postseason, but the bulk of their money is prorated over those 17 regular season games. So if he doesn't come back until December, let's say mid-December, December 14th, 15th, whatever that first Sunday in there is, he's got no time to earn any cash, which means all of his money that he's getting is going to have to be a signing bonus. But what kind, what size? What, what, what could the Bills, the Bills may have maybe have $3 million in cap space, $4 million? I think it'll be hard for them to craft a deal that would lure him here. Other than his love to play with Von Miller again and maybe win another Super Bowl. Yeah, if he wants a contract, go find another team. So they were talking about incentives and all this. And Paul Wineski says, you want to call him, offer him a deal with good money, but say he can't sign until after week one. Then IR him. That way you can just use a returning IR spot, and if you decide to cut him, all his non-guaranteed money is cleared from the cap. Vested veterans like him go fully guaranteed if they are on the roster week one, so the Bills better not be fucking stupid. There's an interesting path, right? So there's obviously some cap shenanigans that that a team looking to sign him would have to play. But there's a road to that. I'm just surprised that you don't you wouldn't want him on this roster if it meant that 
late in the season come the playoffs, you could have an all-world wide receiving talent to line up with the other all-world wide receiving talents you have. The only way I'll sign them is if uh, two things happen. Stephon Diggs or Gabe Davis are injured. Wow. It's the only way I'd sign them. Are you willing to bet a Seagram's the Bills won't? 100%. All right. I'll take that. Brandon Bean's not fucking stupid. Week 17. By the end of week 17, if OBJ is not a Buffalo Bill, Seagram's. All right. I'll write it down. Put it on the board. Hopefully, I don't end up as in the loser category. We're going to pivot over to talk about these unfortunate souls who I'm hoping not to have to join after making what is I'm already feeling is a bad bet. Marquez Stevenson, if there's one to headline it, that's got to be the guy. In 2020, we picked Mark Schofield's brain about this wide receiver class, and I made the point of mentioning Stevenson as a player that I was interested in. And I think it's crazy to think that our celebration over that and a singular preseason return for a touchdown might be the highlights of his entire Bills career. Right now, he's part of a wide receiver depth chart that's overflowing with talent, especially slot talent, which seems to be the only place he really projects to in the NFL. He was already down the depth chart, and he's been known for issues with his hands. Now he gets no live reps with which to kind of make a name for himself or make a case for himself sticking on this roster. The big thing for me is there's only 14. So, so he gets this foot injury and they say he's going to be out weeks. We haven't ruled him out on IR. Cause I think if you put him on IR now you lose him. He's just done for the year. There's only 14 practice squad spots available. And when I take a look at the, like the makeup of the last few years, practice squads, I think to myself, I don't know where he fits. So last year, they kept two quarterbacks in the practice squad. The Bills only have three on the entire roster right now. They only have three. So maybe Matt Barkley is a practice squad guy just because they like him in the building. They like his synergy with Josh Allen. So there's one. So there's a spot there. They kept Jack Anderson and Jamil Douglas, who both ended up, one of them left, one of them ended up playing some games. Antonio Williams. At wide receiver, they only kept two. Isaiah Hodgins and Tanner Gentry. For me, I look at this year's wide receiver chart, which we talked about the preseason depth chart a little bit in our last show. They, they've they just got so many bodies that if I'm trying to make a who's who and I say I've got six, my seventh and eighth is going to end up being either a Jake Kumaro or a Tavon Austin or I don't even know who. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the roster right now in our lads. Who from this wide receiver court? Jake Kumaro, Khalil Shakir, Jamison Crowder, McKenzie, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs. There's your top six. Hodgins, Tavon Austin. Though Hodgins, and, Hodgins is being talked about constantly over the last week and a half by the media. Tavon Austin is the starting punt returner right now. If they only keep six wide receivers, or even if they keep seven, I just don't see a way that Marquez Stevenson sticks on this roster at this point. That injury might have just sealed his fate, and we might have just seen the last of him. Well, if he's... I have the schedule up. When you mention him, if he's going to be a part of the practice squad, then I would look at the schedule and then go, okay, in as a practice squad member... Who is he imitating in practice 
for who we play against. And I don't... He's just, what, the speed guy? North-south? Kind of, but he can't catch. Okay, but, like, so what... Who's he going to imitate in practice? Is he going to play the role of Tyreek Hill when we drop game plan for the Dolphins? No. No, I can't imagine that would happen. Yeah, I don't see anybody on our schedule that has a, a good speed guy other than Miami and Tyreek Hill. It's just, it's funny to me. Like, this is the this is the draft, and this is why putting, like, stock in draft, like, late drafted players... When you're on this team, at least, the way it's currently constructed, I just, it sucks because you're one injury away from losing, like, any shot at having a job for the season. And I hate it. You know, I'll raise a glass of Dalmore to him. Marquez Stevenson, we wish you the best. Probably not going to be seeing much more of you around here. And then... Controversial, but our last loser of the night. And I want to broaden this because it's losers. There's multiple. Because there's a lot of you out there. I'm going to hit you with the hot take of the night. This girl is on fire. Drew's hot take of the week. I got a lot of hot takes. What do you want from me? It's former players who rip on the team. And anybody who gives a single solitary fuck about it. Who cares? Look, you want to hear a funny story? I once went to Canada. Now, if you ask me, going across the border? Overrated. Canada sucks. Clifton Hill Street? Sucks. The club scene up there? Garbage. Terrible. Never go back. Now, 10 years ago... Maybe even longer than that. 24, 25 year old Drew Gear went up there, uh, got a little too excited on the uh, limo bus ride over the border. Maybe drank a water bottle full of Gentleman Jack, uh, a couple beers. Uh, you know, I, Chris, I went up there to dance. I was all fancy. I was wearing a, I was wearing a real fancy shirt. You know what kind of trash I am? I had good jeans on. That's how. It's like, oh, I'm wearing my fancy jeans and a nice button-down jeans. You had diesel jeans on and a tap-out shirt. By the time I got to Rumors Nightclub, I was so intoxicated that I was having trouble walking. So I ordered a vodka tea, strolled into the bathroom with it, and the the next thing I know, I'm throwing water on my face, and there's a Jamaican guy handing me paper towels going, man, they're going to kick you out of here. So I, I was like, you can't kick me out of here. I'll, I'll, I'll leave. I'm, I'm better than this place. Lit a cigarette in the club and walked out. Got outside, threw up three feet away from officers of the, uh, well, what is it? The, uh, what, the Mounties. Not, not the Mounties, because they weren't on horses, but the Royal Canadian Police Force, the RCP, yeah. who all they did was ask me an innocuous question. What do you think you're doing? I took off sprinting down the street like I thought I was like on the lamb, Chris. I ran for what felt like forever. Got to a Burger King. Now, the ba- sign says, bathroom for paying customers only. You'd buy a bottle of water, right? A McFlurry. I hung on to the counter for dear life and ordered an entire value meal. Then took the Whopper, 
took the tray with the fries and the drink and everything else and just threw it into a booth <laughs> violently and went to the bathroom, locked myself in there. My friends had to track me via drunken text message and try to decipher where I was. It turns out the Burger King that I had run to, Chris, I t- when I tell you I ran like five blocks, I ran five blocks in a square. It was the Burger King directly across the street from Rumors Nightclub. I've spent the last decade of my life... You know, so, so this was my night. They had to come find me shirtless in a Burger King bathroom eating a Whopper after arguing with the manager about why I was in there with no shirt on. My attitude has been and was in the immediate aftermath, fuck Canada. Canada's the problem, not me. (laughs) They're the ones who suck. Obviously, it wasn't me promoting the bad time. (laughs) Doesn't this sound an awful lot like what we're hearing out of some former Buffalo Bills players? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. For Cole Beasley, the guy is always going to be cryptic. But it sounds like the team realized that they'd have more flexibility both with the cap and with his availability because of all this COVID horseshit if they moved on from an aging wide receiver before he, quote-unquote, got old. Which is what happens to wide receivers around 31, 32, 33. At some point, there's a precipitous drop-off. You don't want to be on the hook for a ton of money when that happens. So the Bills moved on from him. It would be one thing if he went out and immediately... Find, he says a bunch of stuff about things changing behind the scenes. and blah, blah, blah. It would be one thing if he immediately found another team to go play for. If some other franchise was like, holy shit, the Bills let go of Cole Beasley. We gotta get him. That hasn't happened, has it? No. No. So in that regard, it, it almost gives credence to what Brandon Bean did and the decision that this front office made, whether he likes it or not. <coughs> When you get kicked out of a party, isn't it human nature to go, that that party wasn't great anyway. I didn't want to be there. Uh. (laughs) When you get fired from a job, isn't it easy to look back and go, that place sucked anyway. Uh. Fuck them. (laughs) Like that's, it's human nature. So I take all of this with a giant grain of salt. John Felicianos is actually more hilarious. He's throwing shade at Buffalo for other reasons, right? Like, he got cut and doesn't have a job. John Feliciano is at least a guy who got cut and found a job almost immediately with his former head coach or former offensive coordinator. So he's talking to Sports Illustrated in the aftermath of his release. And he brings up this concept that, like, first of all, Comments about being a a thorn in the team's heel. He felt like he was, oh, we felt like we were the problem. Everyone knows that the offensive line was a problem. At least everybody who listens to this podcast. The Bills' offensive line in 2021 was underwhelming at best. We had no rushing ability to speak of due, due to just lacking athleticism. We've had shows where we talked about the RAS scores of the players who used to be on the offensive line and the ones that they've replaced them with as starters this season. And that this is the most athletic offensive line Brandon Bean's ever assembled. Well, it's because of the job those other guys did. They realized big and immobile, hey, you're good pass protectors because you're big and hard to get around, but you don't help the offense in any other facet than just being big. 
it, then you look back at games where it's like uh, the Washington Washington game last year, where our interior offensive line just got abused by the stud defensive line over there for Washington. Then there's that game against Jacksonville, where three guys all combo blocked the same defensive tackle and two guys at a free rush to Josh Allen, resulting in a turnover. Like they were bad. I'm sorry if the coaches let you hear about the fact that you guys are bad. You probably deserve the shade being thrown at you. And if you choose to take that personally, so be it. I got into a Twitter conversation with some people about this, and I brought up the fact that because somebody asked the question, they said, oh, well, Saffold compared to Ford uh, Feliciano said, no, he is the anti Feliciano. Feliciano was one of the worst athletes at the guard position our team had. He scored a 3.1, 3.91 on the RAS scale, whereas Roger Saffold is known for not only his conditioning so that he can still just help the team pound the rock in the fourth quarter. You know, Taylor Luana, busting with the boys, talked up Roger Saffold and just talked about how his conditioning's off the charts and just what a beast he is. But also, you look at him athletically, he's a completely different animal, which kind of shows in his numbers, shows in his statistics, and it also says that, listen, we're not, we're not happy enough with guys who just do the block at the point of attack. We want guys who can get to the second level. Spencer Brown can do it. <clears throat> now Roger Saffold can do it. Ryan Bates can do it. You're right. You guys were a thorn in the side of our offensive play callers and our head coach. I'm sure he was pissed about it. McDermott doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to take that kind of stuff without saying anything. And then... He made more ass on comments to Sports Illustrated when he that he was happy that he's finally allowed to play center instead of being pigeonholed as a guard. First of all, you've never been anything but a starting guard in the NFL. So when you came here to Buffalo in 2019, that's all you were. You signed here knowing that we had just paid the highest contract at the position that season to Mitch Morse. So you knew you weren't playing center. Then... Knowing that he was going to get extended, you signed an extension in 2021 knowing Morse was still around. Both you, he and his agent are to blame for that one. I I don't know. And yet, here he is, Chris, doing the same fucking thing. Ooh, I'm, I'm just happy I'm over here with the team that, what did we say earlier? The New York Giants, who haven't been over 500 in five years. Yeah, no, I'm real happy I'm here. You know, not over there with those with those shitty Buffalo Bills that are maybe going to go to a Super Bowl. No, dude, my life is so much better over here. Fuck those guys. That place sucks. Yeah, no, it isn't. You're closer to New Jersey. You probably <laughs> live in New Jersey. He belongs in New Jersey. Think about it. Sucker punching people. Crappy beard. I don't know. He does have good taste in barbecue sauce. I guess he ordered like $100 with Vimon's Q42 barbecue. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So he's got good taste in barbecue. Outside of that, I don't know. You're a you're, you're an okay athlete who we all liked you. Now you're talking trash, which is fine. So you as fans, shut the fuck up. Stop crying about this. Do, does Canada care that I trash Rumors Nightclub and Clifton Hill Street whenever I get the opportunity? No, because no, they know they're not the problem. They still make the, the, the nightclub district in Canada isn't hurting because Drew Gear doesn't like it, are they? No, no. So they don't give a fuck what I think. 
And we shouldn't care about these these sentiments from outside the building, from guys who have what should be because fans are like, oh yeah, well when Beasley says, oh things change, and that yeah, you got old, you got old, and they figured out, hey, we don't have to pay a slot wide receiver six million. You want to know what changed? Our quarterback became so talented that he can now elevate the talents of guys like Isaiah McKenzie. All of a sudden, Isaiah McKenzie looks like a legitimate slot receiver. They go, wait a minute, if our quarterback's that good, why are we paying $6 million for this? That's what changed, Cole. And any fan out there who takes anything that any of these guys have to see personally, you're just as big of a loser as they are because it doesn't matter. Does it affect you? It doesn't affect me. People trash me for real things that I do wrong and I don't care. Why would I care about this? I feel like you all listening to this need to take a little bit of that energy, soak it in. Like, if you're feeling this way, if reading mean things about your football team hurts your feelings or gets you, if your first reaction is, I'm going to send an angry tweet or I'm going to respond to this jerk off, you need to be a little more like Drew Gear. Chris, no one's ever going to say that again, will they? No. There's no one who's ever advocated that people should be more like me. You all need to dig deep and find your inner Drew Gear. Just not give a fuck. It doesn't matter. He's not here. Cole Beasley's going to spend the 2022 season sitting on the couch. John Feliciano is... going to be on a couch. He's going to be in the studio working on his next rap album. <laughs> What's his rap name? Skittles? I wouldn't know. Eminem's taken. Uh, what, what else? What's a what's a good rap name for a short white guy with limited talent? Snow also taken. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I got nothing. We're Tweet, creative. Yeah. We're not that creative. Tweet at us at Rock Powder Report what Cole Beasley's, <laughs> Cole Beasley's rap, rap name, name is. What should it be? Guys, let's be a little thicker skinned here. Right, our team might go. Our team is going to start the season in a few weeks playing against a quarterback that, like we talked about at the top of the show, might not be a hundred percent. Definitely won't have any rapport built up with his wide receivers. This is the start of something beautiful. Don't let some fat idiot living in Jersey and some white rapper ruin what's supposed to be our good time. And the biggest losers of all, Chris, are going to be the people who live here in western New York and have nothing going on on Friday night and yet aren't going to come down to O'Neill Stadium Inn Friday night at 6 o'clock for our end-of-camp and preseason preview podcast where I'm going to be sitting down with former Buffalo Bills left tackle John Fina and off ta- well, the host of the off-tackle, Joe Miller from the Overreaction Podcast, both on the Buffalo Bills Podcast Network. Whoa. Buffalo Rumblings. Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Yeah, I know. I almost just gave him a bump there. You think the Bills would actually have a podcast network? I don't think so. They should. The Dolphins do it. Our friend Travis Wingfield is killing it over there. Yeah, but the Bills aren't... They're not as smart <laughs> as the Dolphins front office in the that Otherwise, regard. would be fucking red helmets this year. That pop when Josh Allen came out of the tunnel with the red helmet on? God... I mean, honestly, what would... So the Bills, somebody puts that in Pagula's ear. They're like, all right, look, we're going to go through it. We're going to get a podcast network. Who can we poach out there that already does this? And then they look at, like, 
one of the top ones is by Eric Turner, and then they just throw it all away. Like, they go, nope, well, nope, they, they go, we well, scrapped that idea. Well, hang on. They go down the list. They say, okay, Eric Turner. Nah, we blacklisted that guy. Yep. Who's next? Bruce Nolan? Yeah, no, nobody's allowed to see that guy's face. That yeah, doesn't we're work. Gonna, yeah, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have to air this also probably on... Uh, MSG, if we can, right, and we're gonna that have probably to rec- gets factored and in. We're gonna have to record it from the moon because he doesn't want anyone knowing his IP address. Yep, and so so that's a non-starter. Um, Nate Geary, nah, I feel like he, I, I feel like the, the, his letdown over not holding that long snap, just, I feel like he's he's lost the trust of the Bills fan community. Um, who else? Us. Yeah, it can't be us. Don't you dare turn me loose with that power. <laughs> well, you no. put me in the building? Yeah. The last time you put me in the building, I ended up lost in the tunnel next to a ranting and raving Russ Brandon. I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, maybe the Bills podcast, Buffalo Bills podcast network is a bad idea. Yeah, because it'll never happen. But what's not a bad idea? Guys, we're going to be at the bar doing No, the we're live- not. Yeah, I'm I, going to be at the bar. I will be at Helium downtown. Drew, this is, go to watch him try to run this thing. Yeah, I'm going to be setting up and recording a remote podcast from O'Neill Stadium Inn. That's right over on Abbott Road near the near the stadium, right across the street. We're going to be talking all about the preseason process, all about what's coming up, what's happened over the course of training camp. Players were hot on, players were cold on. And it's always fun to get the perspective of a former NFL football player in that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Come out and have some wings, have some beers with us. It's always a good time. Under over on how many production mistakes I make. Well, it's not hard. All you got to do is press record and then dial in in the levels. So if I make it two and a half? I would probably take the under. Because all, all it takes is to you getting to a point where you are recording... And there are, you can see waveforms and that people are talking. The only way you screw it up is well, the if, only reason. The only way that you screw it up is if you turn everybody's levels too high and everybody sounds distorted. That I can't fix. Well, we'll see. That would be the only If you Here's, can press record and get levels, then you're golden. I'm spoiled. Because I have a legitimate audio producer, whereas most podcasters are just out here kind of windmilling their way through this. Well, they, I don't have to do any of this. They, my first foray out into the wilderness on my own, hopefully like the Oregon Trail, we don't all die of dysentery. Guys, this has been a lot of fun, but for tonight we got to get the hell out of here. Make sure you come out to the bar and see us on Friday night. Again, after 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, I will be there setting everything up. Me, John Fina, Joe Miller. For tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.